listening to Inclusive AF with Jackie Clayton and Katie Van Horn. Oh, Nelly Furtado. Here we go again. Um, welcome to the Inclusive AF podcast. I'm Katie Van Horn. <laughs> and I'm Jackie Clayton. And I'm so glad to be here. I'm glad you're here, Jackie, because I feel like we haven't recorded in about 65 years. Um, it really has only been like a couple <laughs> weeks, but you know, it just feels like it's good to be together again and yeah. checking things out. So on this episode, we're going to do something fun, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll find out. <laughs> we have not screened these yet. So this could be an interesting conversation. Um, so we asked you all to send in questions and if you, and we will continue asking you to send in questions and you could send it to info at inclusiveafpodcast.com. But as part of the asking of questions, um, we decided to do kind of a abbreviated or a kind of our own version of a ask me anything or AMA. So we have some questions from listeners that we wanted to, um, ask and answer. So that's what we're going to do during this episode. Woo! It's ask me anything. It's not, I'll answer. <laughs> Just to ask me anything. Not sure. I'll answer. That's what we're going to call it. .com. <laughs> inclusive. We're going to change the name to inclusive AF kind of <laughs> when it works for us. And we know the answers to the questions. Yes. Yeah. Um, so um, I would like to kick us off. Are you ready? I, yes. Okay. And the way I'm thinking this will work and you tell me if you want to do something differently, like I'm going to ask the question and I think we both can answer or whoever's yeah. comfortable answer. Like, I don't think it has to be like, Jackie, this question's for you. Although some of them are addressed to you. So I was about to say, same. Yeah. <laughs> some so. of them might be specific to you. <laughs> um, Ooh. okay. So the first question is from one of our listeners in Ohio. Oh, what was your journey to get into DNI? Oh, great question. So, what's my journey? It really started a long time ago when I was in, in a galaxy team. far, far away. <laughs> yes, yes. Obi Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. Um, it started because I was a recruiter and I was listening to how people were going to find diverse talent. And I just knew that they weren't going to find me. So, this is starting back like, like 2006 and then or right around 2008 is when I did the research and dug in in order to do that so I've always kind of brought that out um and started doing it kind of as a side hustle since then mm -hmm. um independently because so many organizations at the time were not willing didn't weren't willing to or did not have an interest to focus on diversity and inclusion and especially and it was always important to me because I thought I was pretty awesome. Also, during that time, I was asked by Deloitte um, based on write some of the writings to do some training and the person wanted to hire me and I was like, oh, you can't because I don't have my degree, but you can pay me $10,000 pop. It's fine. Like I'm good with that. <laughs> Um, but then that also made me think, right? Like my own bias. I never thought about that being a diversity issue, mm -hmm. but it absolutely is. So that's how I uh, hopped in there. How did you? Well, time out. How long were you a recruiter before that? Oh, like what? Three years? 
Okay. Okay, cool. Awesome. Yeah. So my journey, and I think I might, I've probably shared parts of this on the show, but, um, cause this is a show now, not a podcast. <laughs> When Absolutely. I did my song and dance in episode two, um, <laughs> I just kidding. Um, so I started on a recruiting desk actually at a deco. So as a contract recruiter and was doing like high volume recruiting and then helped to open up their financial division in Arizona. And as part of opening that up, actually got to like really do sales in, in terms of contract labor and in the finance industry. And this was pre 2008. So booming, you know, they, we couldn't find enough people to fill these roles for, you know, doing mortgages and whatnot. And then really um, kind of decided I wanted to go in like inside of a recruiting environment for an organization, but I was also really intrigued by the whole idea of being a generalist. So moved into a hybrid role at Chase where I was able to recruit, but also um, was able to work as a business partner and then moved to Target as an HR business partner uh, for a few years. And then most recently was at GoDaddy. And during the time that I was at GoDaddy was really able to focus on kind of the systems, the processes, the policies, how they work and how they don't work for certain people and how that employee experience is different for everyone um, and can be different based on the color of your skin, your gender, all of these different things. And so was really able to work with the team and focus on how do we make things more equitable? How do we think about the promotion process, the hiring process, all of these different pieces of the puzzle of the employee experience to make them more equitable and to really help leaders be better leaders, which is such a critical piece to the puzzle. So, um, you know, as part of that was working with a lot of great organizations and kept getting the question of, Hey, can you do that here? Can you do that there? And so, you know, with the experience that I had and, you know, the changes that we were able to make at GoDaddy was able to turn that into a consultant consultancy. And we are finishing our fourth year going into our fifth year. I say, we, it's me. I was going to say, Rue, going into my fifth year. You and Olive. Yeah. Olive and Opie have been a critical, critical part of this journey. Just kidding. Um, I mean, but they are because they're cute. Um, so yeah, so that's my journey. And I now get to help everyone and it's really fun and getting to work with global organizations, local organizations. I just think it's cool because you can do a lot and you can make an impact. Um, and it's scary and fun. And you know, you know, kind of backtracking, you made me want to do a do-over. Now I'm like, wait, I didn't share some really important parts of this of the journey. okay that's what i was gonna say i know there's more to the story i know this, that was the elevator pitch yeah six years. I, we only got to the fifth floor well i think really this question i mean not to interpret what the person is saying but i'm guessing that it really is more of a what was your career path so i can think about my career path well what's interesting when i think about from a career path is that when I got into recruiting, we were just starting with .NET. So mm-hmm. diversity, nobody cared about diversity. We needed people who knew .NET. There were like five people in the whole state of Florida. Um, so, so that worked out perfectly. It was fine. <laughs> it was fine. Um, but what was interesting, and I always um, talk specifically, if anybody knows Amy Beth, I'm not going to use your last name so nobody stalks her, because you either know Amy Beth, or you don't know Amy Beth. And if you do know Amy Beth, um, at the time she was the editor for SourceCon. Mm. And I asked her, 
how do you write? How do you get to write on SourceCon? And it's funny later that I was an editor and I know it's like, sometimes you're just really desperate for writers. She was probably really excited. <laughs> I think about it. Think about it. Um, and she was like, you just write. And I asked her what was missing from the format. And she said, um, we don't have anybody writing about diversity, but she said, I don't want it to be just about women and people of color. And I was like, uh, that's all I know. So um, immediately started my research. So it was kind of interesting how those things were in parallel. And at the time, this is also when it was web 2.0 for recruiters, because we were learning the technology at the same time as it was building, like we were putting the plane together while it was flying. And so I think part of my journey that was interesting is that I went from recruiting to writing, and then that became my full-time gig. But um, I started, I was an editor and I worked at Recruiting Daily, specifically on recruiting tools. And then I got the opportunity to analyze HR tech tools, including those claiming to help people with diversity. Um, and I was really, there were only two black women writing about HR technology at the time. And it was really interesting because most of the reviews and things that you saw were not written by underrepresented people describing whether a tool was great or not. And most of the articles at the time said, they say they need diversity, cute. You know, like they didn't get in there to see if it actually worked. And so then later I was the director of success for Hiring Solved, which is a tool that does help people find diverse talent, but internal talent. And I worked there as the director of customer success. But what my customers were asking for was how to find diverse talent always. Um, and so it, it's funny when you have those journeys, just like you, like, like, depending if you use the Wayback Machine and when you Google somebody is who you think they are. We've had so many different existence, um, th different roles over the years. And it's funny because people would Google me and they said, I thought you were a diversity person, or I thought you were a writer, or I thought you were this. And I've kind of changed, but that's always been a passion on top of it. But really working through the process and helping clients through that process um, and is part of it. And, and I think what's been great for me is that as a result of working for a software company and working with HR technology is able to see the different challenges that were being addressed, but also work with so many different types of companies. Because I'd be like, oh, I'll help you with diversity recruiting. And they are, they are a hairdresser or they're a hospital or they're looking for an accountant. And you're like, wow, it's different all over the place. And so I think we bring, both of us bring to the table really interesting pieces. Mm -hmm. And this is the part we liked. Yes, absolutely. No, and I, I think it's, it's so interesting that you're, the, the piece that you're sharing here, because it is the, we've evolved, I think, in our careers. Like, I think of it as a progression, but I also think of it a bit as an evolution kind of yeah. it's the you know once you know better you do better and I think everyone can say this you know like I will say just as an HR person when I first became an HR business partner I probably was doing things that were increasing bias and 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 not great oh, behaviors sure. and, and doing things that you know it just I just didn't know any better and and I think that's a piece that we all need to be aware of as professionals and I mean even today I'm like I am constantly scrutinizing the things I do, what I say, the words I use, all of those things, not to be like, oh, I'm someone different, but just to be like, how am I showing up and how am I bringing folks along? So I think that's really critical and I, I like that. Um, all right, what's, what's your first one? 
Okay, so my first one is as a white woman. So is this directed towards you, Ben? <laughs> it sounded like it the way I am. As a white woman, what makes you qualified to talk about diversity and inclusion? Looking at the white woman. I'm not sure where I am on your Zoom, but. <laughs> you look the right way. That's good. Hey. Um, so I, I think the the experience that I bring to the table with the, the 20 years of HR, and so it's kind of the, I know the ins and outs of how should systems work, how should tools work, all of those things. But then it's also, for me, it's about the employee experience and, and talking to people, listening, learning, which I love to do and have always loved to do is just like, tell me what your experience has been. How has this been for you to do this? Or all of these different questions that I continue to ask of folks just to understand what's it like, you know, what are the things that you need and, and what are you not getting in your experience that would be helpful? Um, that's one of the, the reasons or one of the ways that I think I, I bring a good value set or a skill set because I like to listen and I like to understand and, and just hear the stories of folks. But then I would also say, because I have worked with so many different levels of the business and, and have worked with so many different groups, I'm able to have those tough conversations. And, and there are times, and you and I, I think have talked about this when I can say something in a room that one of my black colleagues cannot, or, or a white man in the room can say things that I cannot. And so I think for me, it's more the, we need everyone at the table. We need everyone to be contributing to this. So it's not a, I'm better than, or anything like that. No, I don't have the lived experience, but what I like to do is listen and learn and hear from folks to say, what would make this better? How would work be better if we could all work together and learn from each other and listen to each other and just build cool shit? Well, but let's, let's, let me ask you what people aren't asking you, because this is, I think what they're, what they mean. Mm -hmm. How do you make people feel safe as a black person that's been discriminated against and dealing with bias with white people and or white women? And then, I mean, how are you not just another white person walking in through the room who's going to try to do all the things for all the white people? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, how yeah, are you no. not a colonizer when you walk in the room? Oh, my <laughs> word. Um, I, I think it's the listening piece. Like I'm not there going, you have to listen and do everything I say because I don't know everything and I haven't had these experiences. But what I do is I create spaces where leaders and teams can listen to folks that they haven't heard from before. So, you know, one of the first things that this is, I think a lot of consultants do this is they do listening sessions with teams and, and you're looking for folks that are diverse. You're looking for folks that maybe have a different experience than the white person. And it's just because you want to understand what is it really like to work in the organization and everyone is going to have a different perspective. Um, I am not there though, to change things, to reinforce bias or to reinforce the Eurocentric belief system. Really, I'm there to go, okay, how could we make this better for everyone? Mm -hmm. How could we create an environment where every single person has the same opportunity to grow and be better and do better in an organization. Um, but it, it's also the, because I've lived this and done this, I, I, you know, quite a few times at different organizations. Now I feel like there's a level of expertise of here's what works and here's what doesn't work. 
in your approach. And it's especially important, like with a TA leader, you know, a, a lot of times, and you know, it's somewhat comical, but a lot of times TA is led by a white male or by a male. And, and so it's always interesting to kind of hear their perspective first on how they think about talent. And when they use words like, oh, we need to do the diverse hire over the other person that is qualified or is more qualified, or, you know, we should take away the, the requirements for the role and really focus on di a, a diversity hire. And I'm like, okay, let's unpack that and think about why that's wrong. And really it's the, okay, no, this isn't a, we're going to lower our standards. It's not. And, and also even just insinuating that is completely obnoxious. Um, but it's also like, how are we thinking about this? Like it isn't about checking a box and hiring the person because of their skin color or their gender or their sexual orientation or identity. Like that's not what it's about. It's about, again, creating these spaces where you can bring in different people who have different perspectives, different ways to innovate products and have experiences that I don't have the recruiting, you know, lead doesn't have the hiring manager and the team don't have so that you can just do better and, and grow better organizations. Like I talk about bottom line results because at the end of the day, you know, if you're running a business, this diversity thing that, you know, people are talking about, cool, it's great. And yes, it's the right thing to do, but it's also about, okay, if we can drive innovation and build better products, we're going to sell more products and we're going to be right. better in the market and all of these things. Well, and, and that's, I'm glad that you said that that is fair. And I, I was talking to somebody, um, I was actually interviewing someone and the thing that they brought up was that they worked for, um, at the time they had worked for Microsoft and they created a product, but it didn't work for Mac. So the question was, when have you done something that didn't fly very well? And the answer was that they created something, but they didn't create it for Mac. They just did it for a Windows PC. And then like that's the kind of how everything out. is built at Microsoft, isn't it? <laughs> no, I thought, right? I don't kidding. know. <laughs> um, but then she was like, didn't even think about it. And I and I was able to say it was funny because they said they didn't have a lot of experience with diversity and inclusion. And then we, we talked about that. I was like, that's exactly diversity and inclusion. Because if mm -hmm. you had somebody who used a Mac on your team, you wouldn't have had that issue. They would have right. said, I can't even test that because I have a Mac. Right. Like that would have been the process. And I, I think people try to make it more difficult than it needs to be sometimes. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I appreciate it. So thank you for answering the question. You betcha. Let me look at my next question, my friend. You betcha. <laughs> Did we both just move to the middle? Uh, yes. <laughs> we're, we're in Minnesota now. We didn't mention yeah. it to you guys, but we are. Um, no, just kidding. We're not. Um, <laughs> Okay, so this one I think maybe came up because of our conversation with Tara Robertson. Okay. Um, so where do you think DEI should report in a company? And you is capitalized, FYI. Oh, snap. Well, I say it needs to report to the CEO. Um, and because I think it needs to be aligned with business goals and it needs to be people need to be held accountable as a level of success for their organization. And if they aren't meeting the goals then they aren't meeting the success numbers going beyond the numbers. And I think it gives you a clearer picture um, and it needs to be a C level of authority to be able to implement change and get budget. That's what I think. Yeah, I think your last thing was where I would focus. You have to report to the CEO because you need to get budget. 
because mm-hmm. this isn't free work and this isn't something that can be done easily. It takes work. It takes effort. And even like, if you just think about recruiting, which is usually the last thing I think about when I think about diversity, um, how much money you actually need to spend to have the right career page, have the right things set up so that you're recruiting in the right places, you're interacting and creating networks and all of these different things, it costs money. And so, you know, I think budget is a huge one for me and getting the budget, you know, through the CEO is usually a lot easier. HR normally doesn't get a ton of funding except for TA, but um, I feel like I'm being negative against talent acquisition today. I'm not, I love you all. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think CEO is the right answer, period. Yeah, well, and can we just talk about this, even though it wasn't one of the questions? Like people need to get over, it's the right thing. We, you know, we know it's the right thing. I know I just said that, but Bullshit, yes. you know, you don't do the right thing. I, I've seen you have cocktails. I've seen you have chicken strips. When you know it was not chicken strip day. You, you know that I've what? had, that was like, if it was the right thing to do, we wouldn't have fast food restaurants. We wouldn't have, Do you, you know. have pictures of this cocktail time? Cause I, <laughs> if you do, please delete them immediately. Usually, no, um, we don't take pictures. No pictures. Yeah. If y'all come to any HR conferences with us, we're no very quiet and demure and we'll be there shrieking no... violence in the corner. Um, yes. But I just, you know, when people always say, oh, because it's the right thing to do. And you just are looking at them and being like, so would have been ironing that shirt. Right, right. you didn't do that. (laughs) (laughs) I hate ironing. Um, No, and I do say that. And I do use the, you know, yes, it's the right thing to do. Um, But but it is, but like, honestly, yeah. If you're talking to a CFO, the answer is you're going to get better bottom line results if you do these things. That's right. And it's like, we're not, and so I think there's a certain level where it's like, we're not doing it because it's the right thing to do. And and I think it's okay for organizations to say, we need to be able to protect our assets and protect our organization. And part of doing that is to make sure that we have all voices at the table to make sure we're making good decisions. Like just, just call it what it is. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, because I think there's, especially since we know not everybody feels like things like diversity and inclusion or like you know, truth and history are important. Um, that's another episode. Um, that it's like, oh, well, that's the right thing to do. It, I think you do have to like push the envelope a little bit mm-hmm. and be like, I, we're not going to do it because it's necessarily the right thing to do in general. This is what we need to do as a business and an organization or else we're just going to die. Yeah. It's the sustainability piece. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. What's your next one? So the next question is, do you, not in all caps, <laughs> do you <laughs> think diversity is um, better now or worse in organizations? I think that means, do you think we are, a, we're, our organizations are more diverse, more diverse now than they were before? So statistically, if you look at the numbers, like the number of women in leadership has stayed stagnant since like 1995. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you look at like the Fortune 500 leaders of Fortune, like we right now today have four black CEOs in the Fortune 500. So my answer (laughs) is, no, I'm like, I I literally, every time I I say that stat, I just- I didn't ask the question, Katie. 
I know, but I just get very like fired up about this because my answer is in some ways, yes, we have improved. I think there's a lot more awareness. There's a lot more education. And also I think right now it's still a hot topic, even though the, um, it has cooled off a bit. Um, everyone said, oh, Biden's elected. And so now everything's going to be fine. And, you know, we don't have to worry about this anymore again. But if you look at the, you know, you're approving Juneteenth as a federal holiday, the same week that you're pushing anti, um, anti-trans bills, you're pushing anti-CRT education. You're, you're doing all of these things that are in such a conflict with saying, oh yes, but we're going to honor Juneteenth as a federal holiday that it's just like, you're, this is all a bunch of baloney. But I also think in organizations because of the, and I'm going to say the media, honestly, like, yes, we can blame politicians and, but the media I think is spinning stories depending on what side you're on to the point where people are so like, I, I, I want to ask, and it's kind of the you know, what I wanted to ask when Trump was in, uh, was the president, like, what is your logic on why you think he's good? But for me, it's like the, what is your problem truly with, with critical race theory? Like it's those types of things. And I'm like, I just want to understand like what your logic is there. I, I don't understand it. And, and, you know, the more research I do on critical race theory, I'm like, I'm not getting the problem. But it also like leads to so many, you know, and this is obviously what we know of the legislation that's being proposed and being passed in different states. We also know that, you know, for critical race theory, there is the whole, if you're going to say we can't talk about race, then can we talk about the Holocaust? That's right. Can we talk about World War II? Can we talk about some of these other um, defining moments in history that were based on? religion, nationality, you know, race, all of these different things across, you know, the, across time, are we, are we allowed to talk about apartheid? Are we allowed to talk about all of these different topics that are critical to who we are as a human race today? But I think, you know, the people that are proposing this are also folks that are like Holocaust deniers and, and you're just like, it's just bananas which is not the question that was asked. However, I would say, I think we're doing better in certain areas. I do not think that we're doing better in representation in organizations. And I don't think we're doing better at creating equitable environments in organizations. I think there's just so much work to do. And I think that's kind of the conversation that is happening right now with all these folks that are hanging out a shingle as a, I'm a DEI consultant, it's okay, what qualifies you to actually help create change in an organization? And that's where I get really nervous because I'm like, they're going to spend all this money on someone that's like, oh, well, I have an X experience. And so I can teach this. And you're like, no, that's not how it works. And, and companies are going to, like we know with any topic, if they don't see an easy solve or they don't see, diff, you know, things happening, they go, oh, this doesn't work. And so we're not going to do anymore. You know, if you hire that one, you know, black woman to be a leader in the organization and she's not successful, then it's like, oh, we tried that diversity thing. And now we're not going to try it anymore. No, that's not how it works. 
So I'm going on a tangent. I'm sorry. I get all fired up about this no, question. No, it's I a very too. good question. What I are your thoughts? I, um, I think we are having the conversations. I don't think it's getting better at the right pace to say that it's done. I don't think, I don't, I mean, like, that's what gets me, like, people think they're doing better because they published the numbers, but we already knew you sucked, and now you're just, they're just owning it, but that doesn't mean that people don't talk about change. Um, they're not talking about what they're doing. They're saying, oh, yeah, we're going to do this, but they're not willing to say, like, there's things that are missing through the equation that people yeah. still haven't been able to digest yet. Right. Um, like you've heard me, uh, I always say when I'm not getting paid and you want to know the Jackie theory of firing everyone, um, we're not seeing, um, we're not seeing people saying we're going to fire everybody who is, you know, racist, sexist, homophobic, transphobic in our organization, regardless of what their title is so that we can make sure it's an equitable, we should be seeing you know, we already talk about the great walkout, which we'll talk about later, but it's the great push out. But that's what we should be seeing. If mm -hmm. we would know that it would be getting better because you would have more people going over on uh, Fox News saying I was fired because I disagreed with this. That's what we would see. If it was really yeah. getting better, it would, we wouldn't, we would be having more, even more difficult conversations because there would be such change. Um, but I, I baffled critical race theory has been around for like over 40 years. Right. The, the fact that people are saying that it's anti-American, like I just, I, I, the thing that bothers me is like you, you're saying like you look at Germany and they own it. You look at some other countries, they fully own it. All of the pieces you look at South Africa, they own it. They know, they talk about it, what the mistake was, how they, they went on planning on fixing it, how they still do it. And then we're like, oh, should we tell everybody about slavery? And they're like, no, but you literally just said it existed. <laughs> you literally right. just said, you don't want to tell anybody about this, that you're hiding it and people are voting for it. Well, and we know why it came up after 40 years of, of just being a part of education. And it's because the fact that Donald Trump created yep. that executive order to say, we're not doing this in any federal agency any longer. Um, and, and I know that there's this whole concept of like, oh, well, you know, the, you know, you're creating victim victimhood. And I'm like, I don't think that's what it's doing at all. It's just, here's the reality of what happened and, and how these different pieces occurred. Like, I mean, I think we saw it with like the Tulsa race riots. I didn't know about that two years right. ago. <laughs> I, didn't, I had no idea, never heard of it in my life. And, and I, I don't, I think I speak for quite a lot of the population of every color in the U S knowing about that, like it wasn't something that we were taught in our history class or social studies. And so you do, I, uh, <laughs> well, and you know, I, I think it's really interesting if people looked at, um, the things that Donald Trump, I'm a big political like dork i really like polit like books i like to read non-fiction books about presidents um 
And the most interesting for me is Nixon. And it'd be really interesting if we had another podcast about history. And if there's anybody listening that's a big like history dork, please call me because looking at a, an alignment of some of the things that- You're not Nixon starting did, another podcast uh, without me. I have to be very clear. Well, also I would be sad if you started doing a podcast <laughs> with someone else. Sorry, I digress. No. Back to but, you. Yeah, okay, thank you. Um, if we get those matching tattoos, you won't have to worry about it. Exactly. <laughs> That's the other thing. Everyone needs to write in to info at inclusive AF podcast and let us know what tattoo you think Jackie and I should get. <laughs> yeah. This is a critical question we're trying to ask ourselves right now. Very important. Um, but I think what's really funny is that some people think that they're successful because they're making notice of the people that they've hired. Um, they're not looking at the retention and the change in the company culture to be inclusionary and they're not doing things that are equitable. And so until people are going to get transparent with the intersectionality of different groups and that we can actually look at the data for what it is, we won't be able to say it. until 50, 50 men, women is equal to salary and title. We're nowhere. Mm -hmm. Like that's before you bring everybody else into it. Right. Because that's what people seem to say, look, we're 38% women and um, the rest of the math men, because <laughs> math is hard. Right. And you're like, wait, out of that 38%, 50 of them are in admin or support roles or mm -hmm. customer support roles or get paid less than $40,000 a year. Well, and that's why I also think, and I know you and I have talked about this. It's also the, you have to actually look at diversity from a department perspective. Okay. And this is something that Aubrey Blanche, um, who's now at Culture Amp, talks about all the time, is that you actually have to dig that deep to go to the team level to see what the demographics are so that you can actually see like who is missing around the table. So if you're talking about marketing and HR, you have a usually a fairly predominant um, group of women in both of those organizations. If you talk about sales, it's predominantly male. And, and we're not even talking about race and ethnicity. So that's the other piece that I think people just forget. All right. Anything Your else turn. on that question? Um, I, I can't. I'll go off for hours. I just, because okay. I just started thinking about critical race theory. I know. I, I, I should yeah. never say that during our podcast. No, we need to just have a whole episode about that. And, Fully. Like a two-parter. Yeah. And do the pros and cons. Because I honestly, like I said, I want to like talk to people who are opposed to it to be like, help Fully. me understand. Please. Like, I don't. Okay. Jesus. Help me. Help Mary me. and Joseph. Yes. All right. We are gathered here today to give you permission to plan the wedding that you want. I'm Jessica Bishop. And I'm Sari Wienerman. And we're the hosts of the Bouquet Toss podcast. Today's couples have to juggle so many things from family expectations to outdated traditions and what's currently trending. So to make it easier, we're going deep to figure out why we do weddings the way that we do, so you can decide what to keep and what to toss from your wedding day plans. You are cordially invited to subscribe to The Bouquet Toss wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. By the power vested in us, we pronounce you free to plan your day your way.
The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast. Um, All right, this one comes from another listener. So this one actually makes me kind of sad. So um, I am the only queer woman of color at my company. I am always the only, in quotes, in the room. It sucks. But I am not in charge of recruiting. So what can I do? Oh. So number one, know that you are worth it and you are worth support. And if you're not getting it where you are, you need to leave, just leave because there are places where I think that you can be included. Now you love your job. You love the company. You love the place that you work for different story. But first of all, nobody has to stay in organizations where they are, ask out, reach out to some recruiters, get some help and assessment to look for an opportunity and a job and look for the places where you can fit. I'm not saying quit your job from a point of privilege, like you have enough money and savings or whatever. I'm saying start the journey, get ready, get some support and start looking for those things so that if anything else happens, you are ready and can reach out to people, get your network together. Um, The other part is, this is, I, I think the scariest part that's important is to bring it to people's attention. Um, because I've looked at, and in like with organizations and you have to say, hey, that's not, a, you didn't say that properly. You're saying, you said, hey guys, and that's not appropriate. And, or you said this or that, and we're trying to make sure that we're inclusive. And some people, if they're not called out, they don't recognize, they assume everybody's the same. So I think it's important to say something, but I also think it's important to say, um, if you're already, you know, you have those conversations with your boss, get specific around some things that would help you to feel better. I think it's important that, that especially the things that have come up for you to start thinking about what things, especially if there's no diversity and inclusion person there of letting people know, these are some of the things I think that we can do, or these are some of the things that I notice, um, so that you can get to the, like, how are we going to fix the situation? Otherwise, what generally happens, and I've been, um, the only I've on purpose, I've have tried to create spaces where I wasn't invited. Um, PS sidebar. Um, talking to my dad was this is close to Father's Day when we're recording. And my dad literally just, just apologized for putting me in those situations growing up. And I'm not gonna cry about it. But Like finally he realized that because of him trying to make spaces and doing things that he put all of us in very difficult situations our whole life at 48, he tells me this. Not when I was the only black kid in school, (laughs) he didn't tell me that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But now he realizes like we all do as parents, as we go through this journey, whether you're a fur parent or a regular parent, like, oh, 
maybe that wasn't a great, maybe that wasn't a great choice. I didn't realize I didn't know better. And when you know better, you do better. Um, and so I feel like it's important as you go through their journey that not only do you find a place where you can be successful, but a place where you can grow where this doesn't have to be a concern. This is a lot of, of, of I hate, we all have superpowers because people don't realize that you're going to work burdened before you even walk in the door. And that's a really painful place. Um, and so again, I think it's a really important first to set yourself up for a place of safety. And I want by doing that, I mean, increasing your network, making sure your resume is always ready, making sure and looking, just keep, keep looking for places that where you think you can be comfortable. It's okay to make the change um, to another organization. If you're not sure, ask, reach out to some recruiters, reach out to me specifically. I spell my name funny. I'm pretty easy to find. Um, but I'd be more than willing to help you in doing those things. But also, if you don't feel brave, so taking it to another level, if you don't feel brave, see if you have an ally in your organization. You should know, or I hope that you feel like you have at least one person who's an ally that can help you on that journey. And sometimes you have to ask and say, if you have an ally at your work to help foster those um, conversations, because sometimes that's a little bit easier of having your ally, like this is really bothering me. What do you suggest with somebody who's at your organization who may know the personalities and the people and the policies and the culture um, and have them um, have some of the conversation. Lord knows I've had Jeremy, and I talk about Jeremy Roberts. We've, we are in our third job together. We've known each other for 13 years. And there's been plenty of times where he's called me and said, okay, are you gonna talk about this? Because I'm gonna say something if you're not gonna say something. <laughs> he's always been my ally. Doesn't mean he's woke or perfect, but he's always like, okay, this looks like something. I looked at this and I thought it might be bothersome. I, I want to say something. Mm -hmm. So I would say, talk to your ally as well. And I would also want to say again to whoever wrote that in, I'm really sorry. Mm -hmm. And A, first of all, I think that was like the perfect answer. Um, so I like, what should I add? Um, I, I think for, you know, I, there have been times when I have been the only woman in the room, um, especially working in tech. Um, and I think the, the pieces that always like came to mind, obviously I'm a fairly direct and fairly, I'm fairly comfortable speaking up. Um, but I also, I think your comment on allies and finding those allies is so critical. Um, you know, I think it's something that you can go to folks and have those relationships with folks one-on-one -on -one that, you know, will speak up for you in the moment when you're not in the room, all of those things. And I think being the only and the first is so difficult, but I also would say, try to be as brave as you can and you know, find friends, find people in your network that you can help to recruit into the organization as well. So you can create an environment where you're not the only 
Um, but also exactly what you said, like if it's just not a great place, then you should go. And there are so many great places that you could work instead. And, and I am that person. I'm like, don't quit a job until you have a, another job in line, but keep your mental health and keep yourself safe. Um, and yeah, call Jackie, call myself, um, call me, I should say myself, call me or Jackie. Um, and you know, anything we can do to help support you, we would love to do. We got time for one more question, Jacqueline. Do you have another one or? <laughs> yeah. I don't know how it kind of goes along the same lines. Um, okay. What should you do if your boss is a racist? Okay. Um, <laughs> can you guys send us some easier questions <laughs> next time? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> What's funny is when you talk about like what people don't say, trust me, I will have people say that hiring people of color isn't a priority right now. But Katie, Katie gets the racist. <laughs> Like, here's, uh, here's the thing. Like, I would love to say, like, that's not a thing. That doesn't happen. But alas, some of the organizations I've been contacted by recently, I'm like, uh, I can't help you. I just don't think you're ready for this. Um, you know, I think the, the, what I would do if my, if my boss was a racist, I'm just going to put myself in the person's shoes. Um, I would do everything I can to create awareness. So, you know, bringing up comments that maybe the person makes or, or, or having one-on-one -on -one conversations about why they believe certain things. Um, but again, that's me. Like that's, that's what I do for a living, but also that's just who I am as a human that I'm going to go help me understand. Like that's, that was the, you know, one of the first HR lessons I learned is when you're doing an investigation, when you're doing any of these things, it's seek to understand. So ask, you know, help me understand why you think this way, or tell me more about that. Um, and I think those are like, as silly as they are, I think they're great ways to just start the conversation in a non-defensive way. But I, I think there are certain things that you can change about a person. And there are other things that you will not yeah. be able to change. And so I think it's just being thoughtful, like, at the end of the day, it's about your own safety, your own well-being. And so, you know, my first thought is run, run as fast and as far as you can. Um, but then there's also the, if you are okay with helping, or if you are in a place mentally that you can step up and, and have those conversations, great. And I think you should, but there are times, and, and I mean, I think we all have lived this in the last few years where you've had friends and family members and different things that have, have had completely different views than you on politics or on, you know, what's going on with social justice issues. And it's like the choose your battles thing where when it's right, have the conversation and when it doesn't feel right, get the heck out of Dodge. Absolutely. And I, um, you do need to run as far as you can. And some of the, the things that are, are interesting is that you might not know that your boss was that way until some of these things started coming up. So I don't mm -hmm. think it's like why, for those that are listening that are like, why would you work for a racist? I think 
I think I think we can all attest that in the last four years that we found out a lot of things about people that we thought we knew that we didn't. Um, and we've had to change our language around certain things or you know be selective. But I also think one of the things that I think I don't know, tell me what you think, but in my role, I can't change. I don't, my goal is not to change you as a person, as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just think it's funny because I'm, I'm in talent acquisition primarily with my diversity work starts on that part of the journey. Um, and so for me, it, it, you kind of have choices. I can't work with you. I can't help you strategize around that. And so we get to, to pick and choose, but I do think it's interesting. Um, seeing that part, I think Katie, um, is really good from that part. And I just think about conversations that we've had with other people, Katie and Robin are really good at being HR people. I'm not very good at it. <laughs> Robin schooling is who we're referring <laughs> yes. to. But I'm really wondering. good at talent acquisition. Yeah. Um, Robin and I are good at picking <laughs> fights and diffusing fights. That's what we're really good at. Diffusing. <laughs> I cause trouble, but I think it's- No, like- I said we can start it too. <laughs> oh, fully. We're a good, we're a good uh, crew, but I think it's important to like get out of anybody who cannot see the the- the benefit of being fair and equitable and actually hold those things, um, you will have a problem. The other part is that some people didn't know their boss was a racist because they are part of the popular group. And so they mm-hmm. had to hear them. Everything was fine until something came up for those um, things. But like you said, safety first. Yes. Um, and I don't want anybody showing up on my doorstep saying I quit my job. So now help me and I'm homeless because you told me to quit my job. You have to take care of yourself. And I think that's what's going to be, let's talk about the great walkout. Have you heard about the great walkout? Yes. That's going to be happening. Okay. So for people listening, they're calling it the great walkout. We are going to be dealing with different aspects of diversity and inclusion that we did not know we were going to have to be dealing with. I don't think any of us thought that post-COVID behavior was going to happen so quickly. Um, Right now, what the great walkout is, is that several organizations are trying to deal with what to do regarding the changes because of COVID, meaning do we have a hybrid workplace? Do we have, we're going to force everybody to be um, vaccinated? I heard someone last week and tell me what you think of this craziness. I freaked out. What they are doing is everybody who has been vaccinated will get a sticker on their badge the people who do are not vaccinated will be required to wear a mask at work. Um, they're requiring everybody to go back to the office and the people who are vaccinated. I was like, kind of like the scarlet letter, but different. Um, I talked to another organization or, this week. Or Jews having to wear a Star of David on their clothing. Correct. Um, and so then another oh, example word. that I heard recently was, that they were going to require people that are vaccinated to come back to the office, but people who are not vaccinated will be able to work from home. I was like, well, shit, guess what? I'm not vaccinated. Right. <laughs> I, I, well, and I guess there's like, okay, so. Oh, wait, hold on. So to tell okay, you what sorry. the great walkout is. Sorry, sorry. The great walkout is people are going to say, I want to work from home. 
the organization is going to say, you have to work and they're going to say, screw you, I'm out. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be happening week after week after week. It's already happening, Jackie. I had a company send out a survey saying, here's the date we want everyone to return to the office. What are your thoughts on this? And they literally got resignations as a response to the survey because people are like, no. And, and I understand that they're trying to be thoughtful about vaccinated, not vaccinated. But I also want to just say, A, it kind of needs to be on the honor system. But secondarily, um, I just don't, I don't, like if someone is just not a, a person that believes in vaccinations or wants to get vaccinated, and especially knowing right now that like women of childbirth, childbirthing years, uh-huh. maybe shouldn't get vaccinated, or it could mess with the testosterone levels of men who may be wanting to have baby, like, uh-uh, no. Um, and I had a friend that passed away on my birthday from COVID, right? Oh my gosh. And there's been instances from time to time where you're like, oh yeah, we're still in a pandemic. You forgot. Mm-hmm. Right. There is a, a hashtag I saw on Twitter that was like faces of COVID or something like that, that was giving lists of people that have passed away. That's what's going to be interesting, regardless of what you determine is best for your organization. Somebody somewhere is going to get COVID at work. Right. That was told that they had to go back to the office. Right. That's going to die whose family's going to sue the company. Right. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Because I'm that's actually the American shocked. way. If they but, would teach critical race theory, then they would know maybe we should all work together. But since they don't. But also like I'm, I'm actually, and I think we talked about this like at the beginning of COVID for folks that so. were considered essential workers. Yes. Like how is that going to work that the companies aren't going to be sued for some sort of workplace, you know, uh, endangerment or I don't you know whatever the OSHA rulings are which we can call our friend Kate if we need to yeah, answer to that um but anyways I okay so do you have any questions left yes but do we need to do a part two I think we might need to do a part two because I mean, there's no short answer to any of these things. No, right. That's, I was like, I have probably four more questions. Well, I mean, because we're trying to be helpful. If yes. it was like, it is called inclusive AF. If it was called the Jackie Katie show, this would have been the shortest segment we've ever done. <laughs> I to do my <laughs> boss is a racist. But <laughs> what should Immediately. I do if people on my team are racist? Tomorrow? Like just done. <laughs> yes. But that's not helpful. Not the good answer. No, not the good answer. No. Okay. But I want, I do want to do this again. And I do want folks to keep sending in questions because I think the questions, well, A, the questions that we got, even the ones, I didn't look at all of them and I, I don't think you did either, but I think the ones that we did look at as we were pulling them were really, really good. And I, I appreciate everyone for sending those in. Can but you if you add a hashtag, can we add a hashtag? to put hashtag I'm inclusive AF so we can search on Twitter if people want to do it. Or we just oh yeah. It. If you want to post it on Twitter or anywhere else, um, you know, I, what do you want the hashtag to be? I'm inclusive AF. I'm inclusive AF. Yep. All right. So folks, you can either send us an email at info at inclusive or you can tweet it 
tweet it all around. <laughs> Hashtag I'm inclusive AF. Um, okay, so Jacqueline, mm-hmm. what's your one thing? Like it's this is that I don't know if we can ask this question. I think my one thing for everyone is to be safe. Ah, uh, yes, safe. You are valuable, but all of us in these times and things are just they're I think people feel a lot more secure, but they're still a little wonky, not yep. really sure. So I think it's time for everyone. Please, please, please make sure your resume is completely updated. Make sure that you are networking as often as possible. Make sure that you are looking for opportunities that match not only your job title, but your personal beliefs and company culture. Look for those things, stay safe, and you are worth supporting. Awesome, thank you. And mine would be um, really this kind of the same thing, but slightly, slightly twisted. Um, mine is more along the lines of Um, you are very valuable. It's a candidate's market. And so you will find something else. Absolutely. And to, to your point, I think the the last piece of it is really the make sure that you are networking, talking to people, looking at your resume and making sure it's upstate, all that good stuff. Um, But also be brave and if you're comfortable stepping up and, and being the person that is the ally, if you're being comfortable, you know, stepping up and saying, that's not okay, asking questions, creating awareness, all that stuff. That's what I would also encourage folks to do. Um, no, and, I appreciate, I appreciate that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. And we will come back with another AMA here as questions come in and, you know, maybe we can add just a question onto each podcast so we can continue to answer these as they're coming in. We appreciate everyone who has responded so far and, you know, keep sending those questions in and we'll do everything we can. Um, And if there's a question that you have that you don't want us to read on the podcast and you would just like us to answer, just, you know, make a note of that in the email. If you don't want to sign your name, any of those things, um, just let us know and we will, we'll go from there. So uh, thank you for listening. This is Katie Van Horn. And I'm Jackie. Quit, inter- <laughs> quit interrupting my name. It's very not nice. So long. Can we just change it to Katie Van? KVH. This is KVH <laughs> signing off. Um, <laughs> thanks for listening, folks. Bye. You're listening to Inclusive AF with Jackie Clayton and Katie Van Horn. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I offer you some feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.